Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 24th episode of the Facilitator M podcast. My name is Jim Rice, and I'll be your host today. As you know, the Facilitator M podcast was created to host topics of relevance to GPMs in phase four and five fields. Today, we're glad to welcome back Dave and Brenda Babcock, longtime GP missionaries. This will be the second installment of Dave and Brenda's podcast. So if you did not listen to it already, go back and listen to the 23rd episode, which begins this conversation with Dave and Brenda. So now, without further ado, let's jump back in to the conversation as Dave and Brenda talk to us. Now, as you look back uh, over the past 50 years, are there are there two or three things and I know this is really limited. That stand out to you guys. Yeah. As as God's faithfulness yeah. as he called you and as you followed his call. One of the things that happened early on in our ministry is when I was in Bulgaria and I was given that five year sentence no, in, 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 uh, sorry, in Turkey, in Turkey. And um, that experience, the Lord has brought back to me many times because, you know, we were sharing our faith with the prisoners. We were in a fairly small cell with about 50 men who were murderers, thieves, drug smugglers, rapists, all kinds of things. And we were sharing the gospel with those people. And um, our our court-appointed interpreter, who was, uh, because we had all these trials, he came to faith in Christ. Wow. And it was a great time of seeing him. And I followed him up afterwards. Um, but... I tell the story in that book about that the head man of our cell was, we called him the bear. He was a big, burly character. And uh, he had murdered five men with an axe in a fit of rage. But I tell you, I never forget sharing the gospel with him and telling about the death of Jesus on a cross. Because in Islam, there is no sense of forgiveness of sin. Mm -hmm. There's just the weighing of your good deeds against your bad deeds. And so I shared because he said, you know, I know that I I face eternity in hell. Because he said, you know, my bad deeds are so terrible that I, I," and he wept for, for his sin. He really did. And you think a man that's killed five men with an axe? Well, he was he was afraid. He was deathly afraid of hell. And yeah. you know, as I shared, um, the forgiveness of sin in Christ and that Jesus died for our sin, I remember him weeping for his sin. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem was, is that eventually then we, the last two weeks were in the first two weeks of Ramadan. And then they sent in the Muslim teachers and they had all these prayer things for prayer vigils, you know, for Ramadan. Well, then we were we were given the last judge threw us out of the country. Well, the reason why this is so, so hit me, you know, Jim, is is six months later after it's a long story. But six months later, that city was hit by a, a devastating earthquake and that prison was flattened and and all those i you know i i continually come back to those men that we had opportunity to share our faith with and the thing that struck me as i is is that i was interested in time 
but God was interested in eternity. And I tell you, Jim, that strikes me over and over again, because, you know, as a young person and all through our life, we're often struggling with time, you know, with with what is God doing today and, you know, planning and preparation and all this stuff. It's all time related. But I tell you, God is interested in eternity. And to me, that that has been a principle that has helped me over the years. Uh, well, I was going to tell a different story, but maybe yes. you have. No, no, please it. go. Please do. Well, when I was, one thing that came back to me is that when I was in Bulgaria and being, we were held there the 10 days, um, they separated us. They put me in a hotel. They kept my passport so I couldn't go anywhere. Put me in a hotel and took the guys off. And then we were interrogated for many, many days. Well, then I never knew if I was going to see the guys again. You know, I didn't know what was happening. And so I would say I was probably young in my faith. And, you know, um, and I didn't, I kept saying, Lord, you know, I don't even want to be here. I was, I would love to be in Iowa. (laughs) Anyway, so I was in this hotel room and I thought, I'll just go crazy if I sit here. So I thought, because I'm a Martha type person, I need to be doing something. So I thought, okay, I'll go out and see if I can find some shampoo and wash my hair. And, you know, <laughs> wash hair, that's a good uh, woman's idea. <laughs> do some, well, uh, do something, you know. So I went out looking for shampoo and whatever, and I was crying out to the Lord in my heart because nobody knew where I was. Nobody knew that right. we were caught. Nobody knew anything. And then you didn't know if you'd ever see us. And I didn't know if I'd see the guys again. And at that moment, I'll cry on this, but um, at that moment, I just felt like Jesus was walking right beside me. His presence was so real and just so, so wonderful. And, um, And she keeps coming back to that. That always has been a comfort to her. But, you know, the thing is, is that when our son died, I didn't have that sense of the Lord's closeness. And I think it's because we had so many friends and family who were with us in it, yeah. you know. And, and, and when he died. When he yeah. died. Yeah. And, and I had that support. But when I was alone and didn't know anybody, nobody knew where I was. I didn't know if I'd see the guys again. The Lord was there for me. And I think that. That is so true that when we're in that place, that we can know that the Lord is with us. Because, uh, see, I like to stand in the Bible, too. Because <laughs> it was so, you know, that's what we were taking. <laughs> right. But Isaiah 43, again, um, 1 and 2, it says, uh, I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scratched, nor will the flames burn you. It doesn't say we will be promised not those things. Right. Not an easy life. To be kept from it. To be kept from it. But it means that he's with us there. And that's so, so precious to me. And then another verse that really uh, I've stood on a lot is Psalms 145, 13 and 14. The Lord is faithful in all he says. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts up those bent beneath their loads. 
And I, wow. I find that so true. So, so when we, and sometimes it's, it's platitudes, but often it's not when we say, hey, we're praying for God's presence to be with you in a way that is just overcomes the circumstances that surround you. And particularly when we know that there's really something tough going on with people and they don't have any support, there's no support system there. Those prayers can be answered in a real way that is palatable and that you feel. Right. right. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, when we are so concerned about being in control, <laughs> control of everything, I think we miss out on seeing the Lord's provision and yeah. the Lord meeting it yeah, in right. special ways. I really yeah. do. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's excellent. It seems to yes. me our American culture is is all about control. You know, we want everything under control. But even in saying that, I mean, you know, that's still my struggle. Yeah, I like sure. to be in control. Yeah, sure. still. I, I do too. <laughs> so, I admit that. So, yeah. All right, so I want to change gears just just a little bit here. Uh, those those last two stories that you guys told, I think, really hit at the heart of what I was hoping to get to today. But I'd like that when as we were talking about those, something came to my mind. So, were there ever times as you guys were working in Eastern Europe where God said stop or don't do this right now or go a different way? or change your plans? Were there any, any yeah. occasions like that? We had um, in the smuggling years, because uh, we were smuggling bottles for 25 years. Well, mm -hmm. there was a time, oh, I think it was in the early 80s when computers were just starting to be used on the, in the communist countries. And they were just starting to track um, uh, passports, uh, vehicles, and registration numbers, and all that kind of thing. And that really was causing, that we, it was close to shutting us down, because we could change passports, we could change vehicles, we could change the color of a vehicle, all different kinds of changes. But they started tracking people's names and birth dates, and then also uh, vehicle registrations. And who they traveled with. And who they traveled with. Well, I tell you, they started making those connections, and then they started sharing that between the borders. Well, I tell you, we really were shut down. But just at that time, the Lord opened a whole new possibility for us. And that was huge because we we started working with some mission partners in Finland and uh, Germany and Switzerland and Holland. And the Lord gave us an, this opportunity, I explain in the book, about using a large truck. And so we started working with uh, mission partners in Finland. And Finland, you see, is right next to the Soviet Union. It's It has a border with Russia. Well, we started using this big truck and we took between 40 to 60,000 Bibles at one go into the Soviet Union. Well, then in the 1983, that was shut down. They were followed by by five KGB cars and they could not deliver their load. I mean, they couldn't do it we'd done it oh, oh many times up to that time but but uh, in 
So then we decided we could use that truck in the Central European countries. So we started using it particularly with Romania in mind. And so for 13 trips, we took that big truck then into Romania. Well, we would take between close, oh, between 35 to 40,000 Bibles and books at one go. So you're talking 20 tons of literature at one go. Well, we would, we would organize that. And, you know, so we would uh, meet that truck in the middle of the night with between 12 to 15 uh, vans, like a, uh, you know, like a Ford or Chevy van. And we would then deliver that to around 30 different believing uh, believers around the country. Well, that took a huge amount of organization. And I worked with that for all those years. And uh, I tell you, the Lord answered prayer. I mean, we saw uh, the Lord's protection over us over and over again. I mean, I, I tell in my book many stories of, of what happened in that. Uh, I don't know if you have time. I could tell tell a story or two, but I don't know what time you've got. Go ahead, go ahead and tell us, if you will, Dave. Tell us, tell us one story about it. Well, okay, one story is um, we would unload that truck in the middle of the night, and there's some stories with that. The Lord protected us in that. It was a huge thing, but the story I'll tell is is I had then a load of a ton of Bibles and books in the back of our van. And we were to drive 700 kilometers down to the Black Sea port of um, Constanza. And we had, driving through is not an easy thing because they had uh, police checks at every mm -hmm. major crossroads and they would stop us. And yeah, every time we, we just had to trust the Lord to take us through. Many stories with that too. But what I wanted to say is when we got down, we had to cross over the Danube River close to Constanza down there. And it's a big humpback bridge. It's sort of like crossing over the Mississippi at St. Louis. I mean, it's a big, it's it's about a kilometer wide river at that point. And um, we were, we were uh, heavily loaded. And um, we, <laughs> I remember driving up on this big humpback bridge. And as I was going up on the bridge, I started hearing a noise. And I looked in my mirror and the, the driver's side rear tire was going flat. And not only by the time I got it stopped, it had shredded completely uh, apart because of the weight. Yes. You know, the, 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 uh, the drum uh, just cut it up. Well, anyway, I, at the, the problem was, Jim, is this, this uh, bridge had about 50 soldiers, machine gun soldiers, uh, stationed about every 100 meters uh, all along that on both sides of the bridge. Well, when I came to a stop on the top of the bridge, all these soldiers with their machine guns, they surrounded us. And they, you know, they said, you can't be here. You've got to get off. And, and uh, there's no way, I mean, there's no way I could do it. Well, I tell you, I saw bars before my eyes because I thought there's no way I can get to the spare tire. I have to. I have to raise up the back of the van. And if I raise up the back of the van, they will see our load of Bibles. And I thought, oh, what do I do? I tell you, I, we were there for three or four hours. I, I think I lost 10 pounds of sweat. 
and Ah, uh, it was it because first I had to get out and push the soldiers away, you know, and, and 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 I pushed them away and I said, "This is we will do it, we will fix it," you know. I just kept pushing them away. So, but they were watching us like hawks. Well, then I had to actually open up the back of the vehicle because to lower down the spare tire and get to the jack, I had to move things around and I had to open up that. So I put a blanket down over the over the Bibles and books. And oh man, it's a long story. Eventually, though, it got the jack down there. The jack wasn't strong enough to lift the load. That's the big problem. We hadn't tested the jacks for that heavy of a load. Well, it would raise at about an inch. And I had to keep finding things to prop up underneath. So it, so the jack, it would lift it up enough to change the tire. Oh, I tell you, that went on and on. Oh, and you know what I saw in that was God was with me. God was with me and protected us. It was amazing to see how the Lord met us. So then meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, our team in those special times, we didn't know details of things, but we would have prayer meetings every day, uh, several times a day, maybe. Yeah. And I remember one of those trips, um, I, I do handwork, and I was stitching the names of God uh, and cross-stitch things. And so I would pray for them according to the name of God that I was stitching. And it was just very meaningful to me that I still have it. And it's very meaningful to look at that and think, yes, the Lord saved them and brought them through. Prayer and time. ministry and prayer was a major part of our work. Uh, we had half nights of prayer from... Oh, about 6.30 until, you know, 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And, and that was normally once a week. And we had devotional time every morning. And then we would have fasting and prayer. And really, without those commitments to prayer, it was uh, it was a different world. Well, that was actually going to be my, my last question was, what are some of the most important things that you see uh, that, that spur ministry on? Well, obviously, you just told us prayer. Are, are there other other things? Are there a couple of other things? Yeah, well, I think being in God's word and knowing his word and knowing, believing that he is for us, that he only wants our good. He wants us to draw near to him. Um, I think also another big thing is telling the stories of God's faithfulness. I think one of the things that I see lacking in, in the church and in many situations is we don't tell the stories to each other of, of how God has met us. And our children need to know those stories. We need to encourage each other. And um, one of the things that I see is, you know, I think you even asked one of the questions was, how do you get through the crisis times? Okay. Well, the thing that I see is that it's too late in the midst of the crisis to think you're going to be able to seek the Lord. That's not the time to seek the Lord. Of course, it is a time to seek the sure. Lord. But if you haven't invested over time of your relationship with the Lord and you haven't you know, done Bible study and seeking the Lord and memorizing God's word, if you haven't invested in that, then in the crisis time, You'll you'll be defeated and and depressed and discouraged, and you won't see the Lord. But if you've invested in 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 you know you're walking with the Lord and meeting Him, 
then the Lord, you know, you just, you trust in the Lord in the midst of it. I always think of those verses in 1 Samuel 30, where David, you know, it's when Ziklag was uh, destroyed and his wives were taken and all the different things were. And people had said, people were talking about stoning him to death because they were so discouraged. But then there's this little phrase that said, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And I tell you, that doesn't happen unless you've invested I mean, he has written psalms. He's had, you know, prayed. He's walked with the Lord. Right. So in the crisis, he knows where he, where he's, who's holding his hand. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. That's really good. Thank you guys for being willing to just sit here and talk to me today. Uh, loved hearing the stories. Loved hearing the principles behind the stories. Uh, and thank you for sharing that with the greater GP family as well. Yeah, our pleasure. Great. I don't know if you'll you'll broadcast it. We'd love to hear ourselves talk. <laughs> Once again, we thank Dave and Brenda for uh, being our guest today, for sharing uh, a lot of life experience, uh, principles of ministry, principles of uh, spiritual and emotional health, uh, while going through a lot of tough times and a lot of great times as well. Um, Blessings to you as you go your way. Uh, May you be used uh, to bring light and salt to all those around you. And if you have ideas for podcasts in the future that you'd like to hear, uh, please let us know. Uh, You can send that to me at jim.rice at gbonline.org. Thank you very much and have a blessed day.